as you're heading back to your seats and you're getting your bulletin out and your outline, if you want to take notes, I want to encourage you to turn to the book of Luke this morning is where we're going to be as we look to God's word this morning. We're going to conclude our series this morning. Positive is greater than negative. And uh, what a fitting way to put our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for that opportunity and that reminder today. I want to ask you a question as we begin today, kind of just um, plant a seed for you to be thinking as we as we think about this, this message and how God would want to speak to us today. The question I want to pose to you today is this. When you were a child, and I know we have some children in here as well, and that's great, but if you're if you're a child of any kind in any age, okay, if you're not awake, that includes everyone that's here. Amen. Everybody who's a child, would you raise your hand? I need to make sure everybody's awake. Thank you. Some of you aren't awake. If you're a child, would you raise your hand? All right. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We're all children. So I want to ask you this. When you were a child, maybe a younger child, or maybe you're still in that category, what was the biggest worry you had as a child? The biggest worry you had as a child. I'm sure there are times in our childhood when we thought that our biggest worry was if it came true, it was going to be the end of the world as we knew it. If our biggest worry happened, we were going to be so filled with with anxiety and, and discouragement that the end of the world as we knew it was going to happen. Maybe for you as a child, it was your grades in school. And if you got a bad grade on that test, you just couldn't bear going home to face your dad. And all my children said, Amen. Yeah. Maybe when you were a child, it was that um, that friend and that relationship. And maybe your biggest worry was, am I going to get invited to his birthday party? Maybe, maybe not. I had that worry at times. Maybe your biggest worry as a child was, you know, maybe as you were growing up and you began to be interested in, in other people and, and, and that, that, that girl is cute or that boy looks good. And, and maybe your biggest worry was, well, what if I like them and they don't like me back? Or, or you know, let's, what's going to happen if, if things just don't turn out the way I want it to? As we grow older, maybe that biggest worry becomes, you know, where am I going to go to college? Or if I'm going to go to college? Or what job to take? Or, or it can go on and on and on if we let it. I want to be very honest with you this morning, very straightforward, and, and if I can, just be a little bit confessional to you this morning. As a pastor, sometimes I even find it hard to trust God completely. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand to know if you relate with me or not. I would love to, to know that I'm not alone. But I believe that, that we could all probably relate to that. There's times when we could honestly say, you know what? I find it hard to truly trust God with everything all the time. You see, maybe today we could say, you know what, I love God and I I believe in God, but I still feel uneasy about the future. I still have a, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of worry, a little bit of trepidation about what the future holds. We can see it anywhere we look right now. There's tension everywhere. There's division everywhere. There's, there's just there's so much to be concerned with. And then if we go back to some of those worries that we may have, 
we might think about, you know, if, if things ever calm down with an election, what if, what if it doesn't turn out the way it's supposed to? What if it doesn't end up being with the person that I think should win, winning? Or with all of this sickness and illness going on, what if I get sick and, and, and I can't work and I lose my job and then I can't provide for my family and it just goes on and on and on? Maybe, maybe you're the single person out there today and it's hard to meet people during COVID. What if I'm single forever? What if I do find that person, but it's the wrong person? And what if I end up marrying the wrong person? And then if I marry the wrong person, then most likely I'm going to have the wrong kids. And if I have the wrong kids, then, then my life's just going to spiral out of control. But you know, now that I'm married and I have these kids, well, maybe I have the right marriage and the right kids, but I have a bad job. And I, and I struggle to know that this is the right job for me to be in. But I can't quit my job because my kids need braces. And if I quit my job and I can't give my kids braces, then maybe my kid is going to marry the wrong person because their teeth aren't straight. And what if they marry the wrong person and then they have the wrong kids? And God forbid I get the wrong grandkids. Anybody else ever feel that way? Hmm. It can spiral out of control, can't it? I want to trust God, but how do I trust a God that I can't see? How do I trust a God that even when I did put my trust in Him, He didn't come through for me like I thought or like I'd hoped He would? He didn't do what I asked Him to do. God, You could have done that. You could have spared me that hardship. You could have saved that life. You could have healed that disease. But You didn't. How can I trust You, God? How can I trust God? I think that's the question for all of us today. How do we put our trust in God today? Would you pray with me? God, we want to pause in this moment. And I want to ask you, Lord, if you would do us a favor. Would you open our minds and open our ears to hear from you today? May it be your voice that speaks into our hearts and lives. May it be your words that resonate with us, that go with us from this place. And Lord, as we look to your word, would you help us to put our trust in you? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you to turn to the book of Luke if you haven't done so already. Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be looking. And I want to read the first 11 verses to you this morning from Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. We're going to begin reading with verse number 1. You can follow along as I read. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were fishing with their nets, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a, a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. 
but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore and left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. I want to talk to you today about two prayers that can help us to build our trust in God. Two prayers, two simple prayers that we can pray to continually build our trust in God. And so as we're thinking about this story, we got to go back and kind of see what's happening here and understand exactly what's taking place. You see, Jesus is teaching at the lake. It's the end of the day for fishermen. They work through the night and now they're cleaning their nets and they're waiting to go and rest and they have had a very disappointing night. Anybody can relate to that? Can you, have you ever had a disappointing day at work? Anybody? Just a few of you. Okay, let me talk to you for a little bit. This was so discouraging for them. I can just imagine they're putting away their nets and they're, they're, they're sad, they're, they're discouraged, they're wondering when the next, the next opportunity to make a living is going to come. And here they pull into shore, they pull into the docks, and here's this man teaching at the lake. And he's teaching the Word of God. And the crowd is beginning to grow. And the crowd is beginning to press into Jesus. And I can just picture it. I haven't been there. Uh, Cleve and Suzanne have, have been there. They've seen this. And I, I, would, I would be curious your, your opinion of this. But as, as Jesus is standing on the shore and the people begin to press in around him and they begin to gather in, it's got to be like anything else that you're excited to be at. You just keep trying to get closer and closer. And then when there's people behind you, they keep pushing you. And so then you end up getting closer and closer. And then all of a sudden, there's nowhere to go except into the water. Because Jesus has got his back to the water and he's teaching. But these people are so excited to hear what God has to say through Jesus that they're pressing in. Oh, wouldn't it be good to press in like that again? Michelle, wouldn't that be awesome? If we all have that desire to just hear from God's Word and press in with such excitement that we wouldn't care if we pushed the Messiah Himself into the lake, whoo, that'd be fun. Nobody? Man. Greg, as, as a youth pastor, I remember teens loved it when they could like dump water on my head or surprise me or do something crazy to me. Wouldn't it be cool to just be able to be a part of that group that pushed Jesus into the lake? Maybe not. I don't know. But Jesus is teaching and their people are pressing in and they're about to push him in. And so Jesus says, when he's finished, he says to to Peter, he he gets in this boat. He doesn't even ask. He gets into the boat and he pushes out into the water a little bit so he can have more of an opportunity for everybody to hear. He teaches God's word. They go through their time and then he tells Peter, Simon, Peter, he says, Simon, would you put out into the deep water? Now again, remember, Simon and his team, his crew, have just fished all night. 
and caught nothing. They're tired. They're worn out. They're ready for a break. They're, they're actually cleaning all of their nets. They're done. And Jesus says to them, why don't we push out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch? Simon answers him, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Simon's trying to be nice to Jesus because Simon doesn't realize at the time that Jesus knows what he's talking about. Jesus is teaching from the Word of God, but Jesus isn't teaching the crowds how to go and fish for fish, is He? And Simon, who is the master fisherman, if you will, he's the one that has the experience. He's the one that has all of the, the credentials for what they're doing. And yet Jesus tells Simon, Simon, why don't you put out into deep water and let's go have a catch. And Simon tries to be nice to Jesus and say, uh, Master, I just don't think what you're saying makes much sense. I just don't think you understand what you're saying. And in fact, in, in our business, in our understanding, it seems, it seems kind of fishy what you're telling us to do. Some of you will get that later. So, I wonder today if there's times in our life where we hear Jesus say something to us, and we probably question him and say, Jesus, do you really know what you're talking about? It seems kind of silly what you're asking me to do. Jesus says in his word, you know what, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. And we might say to Jesus in that, in that moment, Jesus, have you seen the division in this world? Have you seen all that I have to deal with in this world? Do you know what's facing me tomorrow? And you're going to tell me not to worry about it? The Bible tells us to... Bless those that persecute you. Jesus, do you really know who I work with and who I live with? Do you really know who I have to interact with tomorrow? And you're telling me to bless those who persecute me? Come on, Lord. The Bible says, do not lean on your own understanding. Oh, man. Does Jesus not know that if I don't take care of this myself, if I don't figure this out on my own, that the bills don't get paid tomorrow? Doesn't He realize that if I don't take this under my own control and I take this into my own strength, that things won't happen because I'm not doing my job? Don't lean on my own understanding. If I don't lean on my own understanding, then I don't have anything to lean on. Doesn't Jesus get this? It seems kind of silly for us. God, I want to trust you, but I can't see you. And sometimes I can't hear your voice and I'm not seeing the results. And so my encouragement to us this morning is this and this first prayer that I think can help us all to trust God a little bit more. The first prayer is this. If you're taking notes, jot it down. Lord, help me to obey. Help me to obey you even when I don't understand. Help me to obey you even when I don't understand. You see, this prayer is lived out in our text when Simon lets down his nets. Verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I want you to say that with me. Let down the nets. Say it with me. Let down the nets. It's an act of obedience. It's in that moment that we don't understand why He's asking us to do it, but we say, you know what? Because you said so, I'm going to let down my nets. 
obey. I'm going to do what you say. You see, it doesn't make sense, but because you say so. You see, the reality of it is, is you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. Let me say that again. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You see, God's not just asking for us to understand Him in the big things. He's not just asking us to understand how He's going to take care of all these other things that are so big that it just seems overwhelming. He expects us to obey in the small acts of obedience too. Amen? Does anybody know anybody who's clingy? Nobody? A few of you? Clingy. You know what clingy means? They, they always want to be around you. They, they, they probably walk too close to you if you're walking somewhere. They're always bumping into you. Maybe they're always grabbing you or holding on to you. Or, or maybe you've got that one person that's so clingy that they're always they're just like, oh, they just, they just tell you all the time how much they love you and it just kind of gets overwhelming. It's like, oh, just give me some space. Anybody know somebody like that? They're just, they're just clingy. They just need to be around you. They need to touch you. They need to caress you. They need to hold you. Just kind of, come on now. Give me some space. Well, I think it's hard for us to not, it's hard for us to fully understand what God, want, what God wants us to do in trusting Him if we don't become clingy. Let me, let me share this with you for a minute. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Probably one of the most famous passages of Scripture. If, if back in the day when you would put a Scripture on a coffee mug, some of, you, some of you people might even have this coffee mug in your cabinet. If there was Scripture engraved on it, it was probably this Scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. This is, this is so famous and so well known that we can probably quote it without even thinking about it, but do we really believe it? You see, that word trust in the original language, that word trust is batak in Hebrew. It means to cling to. To cling to. What, it, it doesn't mean to just, God, I believe in You. I know You're able to do this. No, it's, Batak. It's it's you gotta say it with the batak. There's a there's a clinginess to the word. Batak. I'm gonna cling to you. I'm gonna trust you. I know you've got the answers, and I'm gonna hold on tight. I, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna cling to you. In other words, God, I want to I want to batak you so much that nothing else matters. I want to cling to you so I can't cling to anything else. And that's the key. If we're going to cling to God, we have to let go of everything else. You know, so many times in our society, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, I'm guilty of this this morning. I was trying to help by bringing our boxes with me to church so that Alicia and the kids wouldn't have to deal with it. And so I'm trying to grab as many boxes as I can in my arms as well as my bag and my coffee and my keys and my mask, and I'm hoping I've got everything, and I'm clinging to about 10 different things, hoping and praying I don't spill my coffee. You know what I'm talking about, right? I saw some of you do it today too as you walked in with multiple boxes. 
But really what I believe God's trying to get us to see, to see today, if you really want to trust in God, He's saying, I need you to cling to me like you're clinging to everything else in life. If you don't understand it, and when we don't understand something, what do we normally do? We cling to those things that we do understand. We try to control those things that we have control over. And so while we're doing that, we're holding our family close, and we're holding our job close, and everything that gives us security, if we're doing that, then guess what? We can't cling to Him. Trust in the Lord with everything. Cling to Him. Well, if I'm going to if I'm going to cling to God and He's over here, then I've got to let go. Yeah, you've got to let go of it. I've got to let go of it so that I can talk to God. Amen? If we're going to cling to what God says, we've got to cast all our cares on Him because He cares for us. If we're going to cling to God, we've got to know that He's going to provide all of my needs according to His riches and His glory. If we're going to cling to God and what He says to us, we've got to know that He's going to work all things out for our future good. If we're going to cling to what He says, and we're going to cling to that truth, we've got to realize that it's true what He says. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. He says, when you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. If we're going to cling to God, if we're clinging to Him, guess what? He's going to cling back. There's something about that hug that's mutual, isn't there? God says, I'm going to be close to the brokenhearted. I'm going to save those who are crushed in spirit. If we're clinging to God, we can believe that. You are my refuge and strength, Lord. A stronghold in times of trouble. If we're not clinging to Him, He's not our stronghold. But Lord, because I trust You, I will let down my nets. I don't understand it. I don't completely understand what You're trying to do here. But I will let down my nets. I will obey. I don't know what the outcome will be, God, but I'm going to trust You. I don't know what the outcome is going to be with, with the political scene. I don't know what the outcome is going to be with, with society. I don't know what the outcome is going to be in my marriage and in my family, but I'm going to trust You. I'm going to trust You. Here's the key. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is Yours. When God prompts you, you better obey. You see, big miracles often follow simple acts of obedience. And we see it in our text this morning, verses 6 and 7. When they had done so, when they had let down their nets, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so, so full they began to sink. Lord, help me obey You even when I don't understand. Help me to obey You when You tell me to do something that just seems silly. Because it's often in those small acts that we see God work His biggest miracles. Prayer number one, help me to obey You when I don't understand. Prayer number two, to build our trust in God. Lord, help me to surrender what I cannot control. Help me surrender 
what I cannot control. At this miracle taking place, Simon falls on his knees. And he says to Jesus, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He realizes in that moment that he doesn't have all the answers. He realizes that he thought by washing his nets, getting ready for to, to go to bed and, and to, to rest and regroup, he realizes that he doesn't have control. He realizes who is in front of him. And he tells the Lord to go away from him, but Jesus responds in verses 10 and 11. He says this, he says, Don't be afraid, Simon. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore and they left everything and followed him. So these nets, these nets are very important to the story. These nets are, these nets are a symbol of something that matters, something in the control of these fishermen. These nets, these nets symbolize their provision. It's how they made a living. It's their job. It's the tools of their trade. And if their nets are broken, they can't catch fish. If their nets are not taken care of, they can't do their job. If their nets go missing, their livelihood is gone. Their nets are everything to them. And Jesus tells them, don't be afraid, men. Don't be afraid, Simon. From now on, I'm going to teach you not to fish for fish. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. And we think that we could just stop there. And the miracle's over and the relationship has begun. But no, if we're going to completely trust God in our life, Simon and these fishermen pull their boats up on shore. They've just caught the biggest catch they've ever caught. And the Bible tells us what? They left everything. Wow. They left it all. They left their provision. They left their, their, their provision for the day. They left their livelihood, their job. And for some, as we read further in, in the same story in a different account, we see that his partners in ministry left their families. Everything that they had control over, everything that they thought was theirs, that, that they had. Jesus says, you know what? If you're truly going to trust me, you need to surrender control. Surrender control. So first we have to let down our nets and we obey even though we don't understand. And then secondly, We've got to lay the nets down. We let them down and we obey the act, but then we lay them down and we leave it there. For some of you good old time Nazarenes, this is, this is holiness right here. This is what it's about, folks. Because in our flesh, in our humanness, we can let down our nets all day long. But many of us want to keep our nets. We like those nets. We like those things that we have control over. We don't want to surrender those over. We don't want to lay them down and walk away. We'll let them down all day long. We'll obey. But God says, you know what? I need you to do more than just obey when you don't understand. I need you to surrender your control. I need you to lay them down and leave them there. 
You don't always have to have the power to control. But you do always have to have the power to surrender. We sing a song around here. Sang it a couple weeks ago. Straight out of Scripture. From Psalm 20, verse 7. If you didn't know the the address in your Scripture for it. But it says, says simply this. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, some trust in their nets, some trust in their own strength, some trust in everything that they have control over. But if we're truly going to trust God, we've got to surrender that. We've got to lay it down. And we've got to say, I trust in the name of the Lord my God. What we must realize is that when we trust in things not of this world, we're going to see rewards that may not be of this world. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, sometimes we trust in doing the right thing and making sure we have control of things that are temporal, that are things that are natural, that are things of this world. And if I do what, if I do my part, if I do what I have control over, then we're going to see God work in a in, a, in an observable and in a controlled way. And then I can really trust God because I've seen Him work. Am I right? We've got to see it. We're like Timothy. We don't want to admit it, but if we don't see it, we really don't believe. But if we begin to trust in things that are not of this world, the blessings that return are not of this world. Amen? It doesn't mean He can't bless us in this world. I believe He can. But I believe that if we're truly surrendered to Him, if we say to Him and we pray this prayer, Lord, Lord, help me to obey You even when I don't understand. I don't get what You're trying to do, but I'm going to obey You. And then we can say the second prayer, Lord, help me to surrender what I cannot control. Then we can trust God and then we can begin to see the miracles take place. Here's the key thing that we need to see today. When did the miracle happen? When did the miracle take place? It was at the end of a discouraging day. It was at the end of a day that did not go as planned. It was at a, at a, at a time, and I would guess in those fishermen's lives, that they did not want to hear another sermon. They did not want to be told what to do with their life. Have you been there before? Have you been to a place in your life where you're so discouraged that you're ready to give up? You're so far out of answers. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what the next step is going to be. And for some of us, some of you today, maybe that next step is you've even contemplated the worst. But that's when the miracle took place. When we're at the end of our rope. When we're at the end of our understanding. When we're at the end of our strength. Jesus comes along and says, you know what? 
I know you just had the worst day of your life. Let's go back out and try again. Jesus, it's okay this time. I'm going to be with you. Okay, let's go. And you're obedient. That's one step. But he says, look at what I can do when you're obedient. The biggest catch you've ever had. The, the problem went away. The, the solution was given. And yet Jesus wasn't done. Now, leave it. Leave it. Come follow me. Surrender everything that you have control of. And let me control it. How can you trust God more? <laughs> Lord, help me to obey even when I don't understand. And Lord, help me surrender what I cannot control. In just a moment, we're going to partake of the sacrament of communion and we're going to gather around the Lord's table. And I just thought this was such a fitting way for us to respond to a message like this. Can we really say, in God we trust? Can we really admit, God, I've messed up. I haven't let down my nets when you told me to. And I'm still trying to control things. I'm still trying to cling to what I have power to cling to. And this morning, I believe the Lord is here and He's saying to us today, will you trust me when you don't understand? Will you surrender to me what you have control over? So I'm going to pray in just a moment. And after I pray, I want to invite you to come. We've kind of spread out the elements here this morning. If you're on this side of the, the sanctuary and you want to come and just grab one cup and take it back to your seat. Um, and then on this side, come over here and grab elements on this side. If we start to run low, we have more. But just come in, in this reverent time. And if, if you want to come and partake, we, we just ask one thing in the Church of the Nazarene. Church of the Nazarene, we have an open communion policy. What that means basically is this. We believe that His grace is for everyone. And if you have given Him control of your life, and if you're in the process of surrendering to Him what is in your control, then we want to offer communion to you freely. You don't have to be a member of our church. We just ask that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And so, if that's not you today, today can be the day. You can let down your nets and be obedient to His call in your life. You can admit that you've taken control of so much in your life, in your entire life, that you've just pushed Him out. He can forgive you. He will forgive you. He has forgiven you. We must admit that. Amen? So I'm going to pray, and after I pray, will you come and receive the elements, take them back to your seat, and we will partake together. Lord, we thank you for being totally and completely trustworthy today. No matter how chaotic the world may seem around us, you are always in control.
Help us today, God, to trust in You at all times. Knowing that one day, You're going to right every wrong. One day, there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. One day, we will experience Your glory together. Lord, I pray for all of us today. In this moment of gathering around Your table, would we take this moment seriously? Would we understand of what the price that was paid for our lives? Would You help us to put our trust in You and to be thankful? Thank You, God, for Your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you come and partake? If you don't feel comfortable coming, just raise your hand and we'll bring the elements to you. The night that our Lord was betrayed, He had supper with His disciples. As He knew what was going to happen, as was customary in that meal, He took the bread and He said to His disciples, This bread represents my body that is going to be broken for you. Every time you take this bread and you eat it, be reminded of the sacrifice that I paid for you. This bread represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Eat this bread in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. Take the bread and eat it. After he took the bread, he took the cup and he said to his disciples, his followers, this cup represents my blood. That will be shed for you as the perfect sacrifice and the perfect payment for your sins. Every time you drink of this cup, be reminded of what I've done for you. This is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ shed for you. May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this cup in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. Take and drink. Father God, You are so good to us. May You help us in this moment to be reminded that we can trust You. And help us, Lord, in those moments of doubt, in those moments of worry or anxiety, to pray these prayers. Lord, help me to obey You even when I don't fully understand. And Lord, help me to surrender to You what is out of my control. We give you our lives today, God, surrendered to you once again. Lead us and guide us according to your way and according to your will, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said together, Amen, Amen. You have a great day, and we'll see you tonight for groups at 6.30.